Good afternoon and welcome to another Cuppa With. Um, hope you've all got your brews and, well, maybe if you've got something else, that's fair enough, it is Christmas. And uh, uh, this podcast is to help talk about people's stories with mental health and what they've been through, just as a general conversation over a cup of tea, just like everything else is. I always say you can solve the world's problems with a cup of tea. And a biscuit if you want to be posh. <laughs> and today I have a new guest, if you'd like to introduce himself. Hi, uh, yeah, uh, my name's Mike Arnold, um, from Kent, 33. Um, yeah, uh, just recently uh, achieved a year uh, drinking drug-free. And yeah, a bit of a history with uh, sort of uh, depression and anxiety and everything as well. So yeah, good to be here. Thank you very much and thank you for being here. So tell us a bit about your story then. Uh, yeah, well basically the, the sort of mental health side of things I can sort of remember happening quite early on, uh, I remember sort of teenage years really, um, the drink, uh, I'd, I'd always, I'd, I sort of grew up in this environment where there wasn't much to do but go to the pub, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people have grown up in that sort of era, um, I think it's different now for kids, I, I'm hoping that the generation that we're sort of seeing now, they, they seem a bit different, they've, they've got a much better attitude towards alcohol I think personally, but yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, sort of mid-twenties was when the sort of the booze and then the drugs started um, to really be an issue. Um, mm. And then it was basically a bit of a, the depression wouldn't get better without the drinking. They, they, they sort of came hand in hand with me really. So I always thought that, oh, if I sort my mental health side out, mm. I could drink again. Mm. Um, and then it sort of got to the point where I thought, hey, I'm cured, let's go for a drink. And three months later, I was in that, you know, suicidal pit again. Yeah. Um, so I think to really sort of get my mental health sorted, I've had to be completely absent from obviously drinking drugs as well. So, mm. um, yeah, basically last December was, was a bit of a tipping point. We all hit that, what we think is rock bottom, and then there's another one. Yeah. Um, and I got some good help this year. I actually started to receive uh, some different um, help for both, basically the, the drug and alcohol treatment and uh, the mental health side of things, which really made a difference. I, yeah. I think that makes a huge difference, finding the right, because not some counselling works for some people. Some people are AA, some people don't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think when you find that balance for yourself, because everyone is different in their recovery, yeah, um, it's a huge difference. So yeah, with the help of those two services working hand in hand, and yeah, that's basically how I'm still here today, really. <laughs> well, that's always so, good. <laughs> yeah. So that's a that's a, a strange period of time. Like in December, I, I always find that Christmas has a, an effect on people's mental health in it. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, but what made you do that switch at well Christmas really? Yeah, well, I think actually Christmas is it's a strange one because Christmas is normally where people sort of overindulge with everything. And I always sort of found, because of how busy it was and because of uh, the food and everything else involved, Christmas wasn't always a massive drinking session for me, even when I was drinking. Okay. Like, I don't actually find Christmas too much of an issue doing it sober. I think the mental health side of things can really kick in. I mm. think that's when people really start to struggle because some people are alone. Um, yeah. It's that horrible time of year after Christmas as well. Um, well, obviously it's dark, it's cold, um, so I know that people can really sort of struggle after that. But Christmas itself, I've always, yeah, I've, I've always sort of pulled through anyway, mm. um, sober or not. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it is quite a depressing time of year, January. So, I, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But obviously, um, at the moment, feeling okay. So. Bring so, it on. <laughs> so you went in for the hard work. If you're going to do, yeah. <laughs> do it the hard way. Yeah. Well, this time last year, I was doing a really awful job as well. I was working sort of in London. I was getting up like four every day um, and then sort of getting home at nine o'clock. Um, so, yeah, whereas now I'm working local, sort of eight till five. Uh, <laughs> that's easy. Yeah. Hey, hi. hi. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that makes a huge difference because I was really tired. Um and just, yeah, that time of year, that going out in the dark, coming home in the dark is, is just an awful thing. There's no yeah. gauge on time, is there? So. Yeah, I know, that's it. Come on, come on. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's the whole part of this. <laughs> yeah, oh, she's gone. 
<laughs> I think that's the whole point of this. So you, you know, I've, I've had people on the podcast with kids coming in and out. And yeah, yeah. It's one of those, that's, that's the good thing about it. When you're at home having a cup of tea talking about this sort of stuff, <laughs> you generally have your kids interrupting you. So. Well, because that counselling I was receiving, uh, I just want to sort of give it a mention, really, because mm. it's, it's an amazing service at the moment. It's only sort of available down here. Mm. Um, it's called Open Dialogue, and it, it, it was something I think the in Finland in the 80s okay um, and it's basically it's it's because it's, I've had so many different sort of counsellors in the past and counselling sessions and you know you go to your GP you do this you do that you get put into the you know into the circle of and it's, it's no good because then it, it as soon as you're out it can take months to get back in yeah and I, I just find the, the mental health services it's getting better but the sort of four or five years ago it was terrible I can agree uh, to that. But this service, yes, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. The first session I ever had, basically, they come to your house, so they come to you, which okay. I think is great because a lot of services, some, especially when you're in such a bad place, you don't always want to get out. Yeah. Sometimes just leaving, you know, your front door can be terrifying to some people. Um, so they come to you, uh, and then you sit down with a cup of tea. Or <laughs> See, <laughs> exactly. Cup of tea solves everything. Exactly. So I had these two guys turn up, uh, Ben and Joe. They were great, fantastic people. And they, they, they sit with you, they get your story and stuff, and then you basically talk. Mm. And then what they do is they sort of, they turn to each other, and then they talk to themselves, like, about you in the third person, even though you're still in the room. Okay. Um, and it's great, because you get such, like, insight to what they're thinking and feeling, and then you listen, and then they come back to you and say, what do you think about that? And, and so, yeah, you do that sort of for an hour every week, and I was using that for, for over a year. And it was, yeah, it was brilliant. That's a different, a very it's, different way of taking it. It's a it. very different approach to mental health, and it's, it, you just, you have a sense that they actually care, hmm. um, because they become almost like friends and stuff. They get your story, and they know your family. Yeah. You know, you, you, your family, loved ones, anyone can sit in on a session, and they'll yeah. invite them in. Um, and also the help I was getting for my drink and drug treatment uh, at a place called Forward Trust as well, which is worth a mention. They're pretty good. Um, the key worker I was seeing there, her and one of my open dialogue guys, actually, we all, all three of us sat in a room and had a sort of combined chat to talk about the depression and the drink, which um, I just thought was great. It's just just thinking that there's two people that care that much about your story and your yeah. thing just helped massively. Well, so, when you're at a point where you don't particularly care strongly about yourself, you, just, yeah, you need that Exactly, support. yeah, that, that's it. That's it. You get to the point where you just don't care about yourself, so why should anyone else? But then when you're having these people genuinely wanting to lift you up, mm. you know, it's, I had a couple of meetings, actually, that I tried to cancel. I remember one of them. I was in a really bad place. Mm. I think I'd, like, relapse or something, because I was seeing the open dialogue people even last year before I got sober and stuff, yeah. and I think I'd, I'd had a relapse, and I was in bed under the covers, and um, I sent them a text to say, like, I wasn't feeling well. Can yeah. we change the meeting date? And um, he didn't get it. And he still came around anyway, mm. which forced me to literally get out from under my covers. I was physically under my bed covers. Yeah. And he still came around and they still sat next to me, like, in bed and around. And it was one of the best sessions I ended up having. Oh, that's really yeah, nice. Yeah, just, so even though you're in that place, it's, something, it's weird, it's like that whole... You know, the karma thing, things happen for a reason. Like, I believe that him not getting that text message was a huge difference it's, it's in my like, recovery in the end. It was mad. It's the universe saying you ain't got a choice here. I know. <laughs> so how has this year been, like, compared this to... This year has been... i tell you what, sort of 2017 was a pretty crap year, and I, I spent most of it just chasing, like, trying to... thinking, oh, this job's not right... I had to move back in with my mum, which I was trying to escape as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, being my age, I have to be on my own. I have to be doing this. So I spent sort of 2016, 2017 constantly just trying to chase something. I, I don't know what. Yeah. And then, like I said, I sobered up end of 2017. And 2018 hit, and I I'm, I hate the cliche, the whole new year, new <laughs> me thing. I just don't. You know, you're the same guy. Tomorrow you're going to wake up and, you know. Yeah. Eat that biscuit or do smoke that fag that you said you weren't gonna whatever. Yeah. But um yeah, something sort of shifted in my mindset of how to approach this year and that was to just be more patient, to just even if I'm in the same place this time next year, it's okay. Yeah. You know, as long as I'm sober, I'm I'm doing you know, I'm happier and stuff. So I sort of just approached this year of I I didn't rush anything. 
and I actually ended up getting a new job, which has been working out really well. I've been there since February, and it's going great. Um, and this year has ended really well, like to the point where I found out about an hour ago that I got accepted for a flat that I applied for to move oh, out. Oh, nice one! Yeah, it's just that's what I mean. Every everything that's happened in the past sort of few weeks or the end of this year has just been sort of more and more positive. I had sort of it's not about money, I know, but having the funds to give the girls a nice Christmas, things yeah. like that. You know, I've struggled with that in the past where I was drinking and using, and so this year to just be like. There's that money set for them. There's a pile of presents going nuts. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's a good feeling when you when you you know yeah. It's, uh, I think I, you know I'm 33 years old and I think I've finally uh, started to mature <laughs> a little bit. Hey, I'm 33 and I've only just figured out what yeah, maturity yeah. is. Exactly. <laughs> I know it's mad. It's yeah. So I'm finally approaching this life in in yeah in a good way. So yeah, this year has been great. It's 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 been pretty steady at times and. I wouldn't say boring because I haven't found any of it boring. It's mm. been quite eventful, really. But um, just every sort of milestone I hit with the sobriety was just another sort of pat on the back, got me through the year, you know. So. Oh, well, you got yeah. you got to break it down, don't you, into steps? It's... Yeah, yeah. You just sort of do it day by day. I mean, it was like when I woke up a couple of weeks ago and got my year. Um, it was kind of just like it was great. Like you know, I had a card from my mum, and you know, and it, I had some nice text messages. Even my brother, who's quite you know he's quite hard he doesn't yeah, show a lot of that you know he's the older brother so even he sent me a really nice text which I thought was great um but it was just like another day for me as well you know I just had to sort of get up do what I was doing every day before that and the same again tomorrow sort of thing so it's like it's a huge huge achievement but it's yeah. still another day yeah that's it yeah it's just another day and yeah, I think I think that's before as well, sort of like last year and every other time I tried to get sober, it's always that chasing that milestone or chasing like I thought there's no such thing as being recovered. Yeah. That's why you're constantly always in recovery. You know, you could be twenty years sober but you're still in recovery. It's, it's yeah. still something you have to deal with every day. I think whereas before I was always trying to chase that magic pill or that thing that was gonna cure what I had. Yeah. Rather than just dealing with it day by day. So, so now I sort of feel like I've got the tools to, you know, beat this thing that is mental health and, and recovery and stuff, rather than just trying to completely get rid of it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Well, the, the concept yeah. of uh, you've got to, rather than fight your demons, you've got to accept them. Yeah, that's good, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've, always, I've always seen there's made a massive difference between people who accept their what what their flaws are, who they are, yeah. who they were, yeah. rather than going, I don't want to be part of that. That's not who I am. Well, actually, it is part of who you are. And without that, yeah. you wouldn't be who you are. No, exactly. And uh, yeah. the, the whole being grateful for your struggles. Mm. People find that a really hard concept. And I can understand why. It's like, why would you be grateful for all the crap that you've gone through? But <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been through all, through all this shit and now I'm, I'm having yeah. to be grateful for it. What the fuck? It's more... <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. no, I agree. It's like people said to me, like, if you could do it again, would you change anything? And I'm being like, well, no, not really. Because like you say, it's made you who you are. So like, I couldn't imagine a 33-year-old version of me without all that crap. Yeah. You know, and it's... And then maybe I wouldn't want to know the sort of person is. He'd probably be a right arrogant arsehole. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can vouch for that for myself. So. <laughs> yeah. But most people that don't understand this stuff, it's, you know. But, yeah, it's crazy. I had a, um, I don't know if you saw it on my social media, I haven't posted it yet, but I totally forgot. Someone before Christmas from Radio 5, BBC Radio 5, got yeah. in touch with me. Um, they saw my year thing on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that Adrian Charles, the guy who used to do the one show and stuff, oh, he did yeah. that. Oh, yeah, he did that documentary on drinking. Yeah. Uh, he was doing a radio show about it today, and he phoned me up uh, earlier. I had to talk to him on the radio for about ten minutes, and that was so nerve wracking because I was literally on hold. I could hear like the radio <laughs> going on and the news, BBC News and stuff, and then he like introduced me. And I had to talk to him, and I've, I've found it online. You obviously you can go back on mm. the, the shows and stuff, and I've I found, but I, I couldn't listen to. I, I know you do these podcasts and these videos, but I, I don't like sort of listening to myself. I'll be, I'll be honest, I still struggle to listen to myself, yeah, and I've been doing, I like this, doing this sort of yeah. thing. But when you actually play it back, it's like, oh god! So like, I'll play back a little bit of it just to make sure the link works, and I'm like, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's always odd when you have to hear yourself. Yeah, 
You never sound like you think you do. You think you come across as like this really cool, like blase, like. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a bubbling idiot. We've all been there, trust me. Yeah. You should go back and hear my first couple of podcasts. I've said air um, and God only knows well, what. Well, yeah, because I, I started a video thing, which I haven't really carried on with, but I started like a video blog thing on YouTube. Hmm. And my first video, it goes on for about three or four minutes, and I think I um every other word. Yeah, when you don't know what to say, it's like, I know what I want to say, but I can't yeah. get the words out. <laughs> yeah, it's mad. Well, um, no, because it's, it's an interesting thing. I've, I've noticed um, my last podcast, not the last one, but the one before, I did yeah. with um, a woman who was in recovery. She'd been for two years now, um, sobriety. And I, she was also saying how the relationship with alcohol is a complete for yeah. our generation like you say the younger generation my daughter's 16 and mm. she just the idea of her having a drink she's like oh, i don't want to touch that stuff yeah that's what i mean like when we were 16 we couldn't wait to get out to the pubs see well, you know, i mean my first pub crawl was when i was like what 14 15 with my sister yeah. <laughs> so ooh, i hope none of my family listened to that bit but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but like, well, i was quite unlucky because i went you know, I look young for my age now, but when I was 18, I looked about 11. Well, so I, like, there was no chance of me sneaking in the pubs when I was, you know, too young. So. I, I've, been, I've been lucky in the sense of when I was younger, I looked older, and now I'm older, I look younger. So. Yeah, good, that's a better way around, not Benjamin Button. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those that the relationship compared to, with of alcohol, for anyone in our generation and older, it seems yeah. to be like, you get to the weekend, you have a drink. You've yeah. had a stressful day, you have a drink. You have a celebration, you have a drink. Yeah. And it, it's, it's mad how how now I see so many people revert to, like not necessarily like people in recovery or people struggling with alcohol, but I follow just like, say, your average like mum or, you know, anyone really. But the, the amount of times I see them literally with a huge glass of wine because they've just got home after a stressful day and stuff like yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? It's, I see so much of that and... You know, to, to a lot of people, that's just like, they'll like it and tag saying, oh, yeah, enjoy. Mm. And to me, that's like, it's not like a warning sign, but I look at that and just think it's amazing why people feel they have to go to that. Yeah. You know, well, why is it that, you know, my, my relationship with alcohol was very different. You know, I was always chasing something or, you know, I never really drank alcohol for the flavor. Or it was just a feeling it gave me, you know, the, the whole escaping reality vibe you know the that's, numbness. That's, that's basically what, what it was i never had a problem with alcohol and drugs it was yeah. i had a problem with reality you know and um so yeah but i see so many people now just running straight for that and oh, i can't wait for friday night you know they live like you say they, they do this whole monday to friday thing just for to, to go out on friday night yeah. and then to regret it saturday okay. i know people that literally are already moaning before they've gone out about how much they know they're going to drink and how much shit they're going to feel the next day. They literally already say, oh, my God, I'm going to be so hungover tomorrow. Yep. It's like, don't go out then. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah, because I've, uh, I've started, we've all doing with mental health and all that lot, and I've spoken to people like yourself who have had um, mm. drinking issues in the past and stuff like that. And yeah. so it started for me to pay more attention to mine. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping that when people listen to this, they start pay paying more attention to theirs. And I also know, I noticed that my relationship with alcohol has never been a terrific one. I would like to call no. it, if it, I put it in the terms of a relationship. If I was in a relationship with that person, would I have broken up with them? I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, because they're not serving me a purpose. Mm. They, they cause me toxic. You, want to get, you never stop at one. Like, nobody ever mm. has one drink. If you, can, no, no, no. If, if you can manage one drink, then you are literally drinking for the taste of it. I'm, I'm just going to say so, because yeah. you obviously just like the taste. But nobody ever Weird just... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like the taste of beer, actually. I really do like if it was... Yeah. Like, I actually like non-alcoholic beer, because I actually like the taste of beer. People yeah, call... I started when I sobered up first time last... Because I've, I've had a couple of stints trying to get sober mm. last year or the year before... Um, yeah, I used to drink sort of non-alcoholic beer, but I sort of feel like this time round, I don't even touch that. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, people were kind of very on the fence of it. In recovery, it's kind of like a frowned upon thing. Like some people think, well, there's no alcohol in it, but then other people are like, well, you're still 
drinking that for a reason. Yeah. Why, why are you drinking something that tastes like beer? Why bother? Yeah. You know, so uh, uh, I understand why people that aren't in recovery drink it because if you're driving or if you, like you say, you just want to taste that, that's great. But I think people in recovery, I, yeah, I think they should be very careful about yeah. non-alcoholic drinks, you know, because it's, it's still... It still tastes like beer, really, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, true. It might, might, it might just lead people into thinking, well, maybe I can have a shandy and then, you know, things like that. Ah, oh, that shandy. A slippery slope. <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is, is that I've, I've, it has been something that has really started to notice, and I've started to notice it with a lot of people around me. I've noticed mm. how many people have a bad relationship with alcohol and it, how it doesn't just poison them, it poisons no. everybody around them. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, nobody ever says they have a good relationship with alcohol. Oh, they don't. They, they, they no, say well, that they. No, nobody could ever say that. Nobody could ever say things like, "Oh, I have a great relationship with alcohol. I have a great relationship with drugs. We get on really well." Like, it's just, no, that's not the case. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think they. Uh, yeah. It's like you said. I said that's a good way of putting it. Like, if alcohol was a person, would you still be with that person? Mm. Like with that, you know, how how you treat alcohol in that, in that way. Yeah, so it's a good it's a good way of thinking about it, really. Uh, that's the thing is, so actually, you and the other person that I did a podcast with have yeah. actually inspired me to go alcohol free for a year. Oh wow! Really? So I'm not on that, but surprise! I'm actually really surprised because I find that. Have you started that already? It's, it's I'm going from first of January to the thirty first <laughs> of December. Nice. Because I was going to do it, because last year I did January, no drinking, yeah, yeah, and, right and I felt the yeah. best I'd ever been. Yeah. And then I was going to do it for a couple of months, and I thought, actually, that's really being chicken shit about it, because mm. it's in first couple of months of any year, you don't really do fuck all. Anyway, you go like, I'm going to get healthy, you go to the gym, you yeah, do all this. the gym is absolutely packed in January. <laughs> oh, I know, it's horrendous, it drives me insane. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, like, Honestly, that's a bit chicken shit of me because yeah. the first couple of months of any year, nobody really does anything. It's when you hit Easter, your birthday. It's the summertime, that's the hardest. Summertime, holidays. See, see, people always say to me about Christmas, they say, oh, it must be really hard to not drink at Christmas. And I'm like, I don't find it hard to not drink anything anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely happy in my recovery. I've got to the point now I can sit in a pub, have a soda water or anything. Um, so it doesn't bother me any time mm. of year now. But I remember sort of early recovery, or even when I've tried to sober up in the past, like the summertime is is when you know when it, the nights are longer, people yeah. are out, everyone seems to just be like a little bit happier. Yeah. Um, so you're not just drinking for the like the negative sort of side. You actually that people are out and about. Mm. We have a thing here uh, where I live uh, called the Hop Festival. Yeah. Which is huge. We have it, it goes on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Every mm. uh, it's like the last weekend in August. It happens every year. Yeah. And it's, it's mega. It's like tens and tens of thousands of people over the few days turn up. And every single person I know goes out. Yeah. Like the whole three days and stuff. And like, I haven't been to, even when I was drinking, the last one I went to ended in disaster. Mm. Um, actually, the two before that, every so basically the two hot festivals <laughs> where I was drinking, they just didn't end well. And my behavior was despicable. And, and um, so, yeah, I haven't actually been for a few years. But. Yeah, it's mad to see the, the amount of booze and stuff that flies around in this, this place and stuff, but it's the, there's always trouble as well. Everywhere, the, every festival, uh, gig, or anything you get that you plough alcohol with, there is always trouble. Well, I always find that so, this is weird, weird thing where people fall into one of three categories where they either don't drink at all and people just go, yeah. oh, that's just them, they don't drink. They mm. drink loads, and oh, that's just them. They drink loads. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. they fall into this weird middle ground where there's a nice little spectrum where people, uh, they they try and argue how much they don't drink. Yeah. So, Maybe drinking their hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the best way to describe it. Basically, yeah. and and I was just like, and then when you said to people, when I said to people and said to my friends, right, from the first to the thirty-first, I'm not drinking i want to i want to experience what life none of that but if i'm going ahead and doing more with my life i mm. don't want to be waking up with a goddamn hangover it's not fun yeah. and it gets worse as you get older so <laughs> and, and um i was hit with so much well how are you going to celebrate what are you going to do for your birthday yeah and yeah, i'm just like um 
last time I checked, my birthday happened whether or not I had a drink or not. Yeah. Do I just stop getting... If I get stop getting a year older, that's a positive. <laughs> you will, to be honest, you will find that... I mean, I found sobering up... You find out who your true friends are when you go mm. sober. I mean, my, my group of friends went from sort of 30 guys I used to drink with and, and hang out with since I was 16. Um, and there's probably two or three that I now catch up with, you know, regularly or whatever. Or well, when times get hard, you generally know who's there for you anyway. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, you always find that. But it's just people just start, they either stop inviting you out because they think, oh, he's not drinking, he, he don't want to come out. Or they think they'll be a bad... They, they do that really bullshit excuse, which I hate. People always put their shit on me because I'm sober. It's mm. like, oh, we didn't think you'd want to come out because we thought we might tempt you and stuff like that. Like, you could have... Still invited me, and then make that's my decision to make yeah. if I want to come out. But they do that thing where they just don't invite, and then they try and backtrack of oh they did it for me, and it's just yeah. like well, no, I wouldn't have gone anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't think of anything worse than twenty thirty drunk and now it's like whatever. But it was like the World Cup as well. Every single football tournament, I've always gone out. Mm. I've always been a part of. I've always been the, the idiots throwing the beer around. And this World Cup, I watched every single game with a coffee sat in front of the telly, and I loved it. Loved it. Loved watching the football just by myself. You know, especially out of performance. You know, the boys and stuff, and it was great. Mm. I, I just made me realise that why, you know, people don't need to be doing this mass thing that they just get roped into. I don't know if you saw it. Um, Lad Bible did a like a little skit. And it was, they swapped alcohol for sausage rolls to show oh. how stupid <laughs> it is. And I was just like... I would have been humongous if I'd have done that a few years ago. <laughs> and I was just like, when you take away the alcohol and swap it with food, and right. people like, they're literally like, oh, here, have this. Have a, oh, when he's like, I'm full, I've had enough. And they're like, no, just have half a sausage roll. And you're just like... Yeah. When yeah, you put it into that concept, saying. it's really, really, really it fucking is. stupid. Yeah, and it's, it's always, it's baffled me that, like, I mean, a pint is a lot of something. Mm. A pint is quite a lot when you think about oh, it. Yeah. But when you have a beer, no one seems to give a toss that, that you know, crazy. I mean, you, <laughs> you have people that sink like 20-odd pints of the stuff, and you're like, that's a hell of a lot of... I, yeah, I, I always think that people are like, oh... <laughs> the strange one when they've worked hard all week at the gym they've got like the yeah. muscles going they've got the guns going and then they get to the weekend and then they're like they'll down like a bottle of bourbon or something and you're like <laughs> dude you've just undone your work I like, it was the calories as well for me like i used to drink a lot of wine at home i used to mm. buy because that's when i noticed my problem is getting worse with drink as well like, i used to go out i used to enjoy my wine i used to go out and buy like a nice red bottle of wine for 20 quid 25 mm. quid and then it got to the point where I was going down the corner shop and buying three for nine pound. And um, so you get to that point where you're thinking, well, I'm not going to have one. I'm going to have two, three, maybe even four. So mm. let's let's try and, you know, I wasn't that well off money wise. So. Yeah. But yeah, I used to, like, wine at home was for me. So I would drink like a whole bottle of wine just cooking dinner. And then I'd drink another one during dinner. And you think like a bottle of wine is about... No, two thousand calories or something. Yeah, a bottle of rosé. I looked into this because I was actually intrigued. Yeah. Um, a bottle of rosé is about six hundred calories. Oh, okay. Um, a bottle of prosecco is the is the best. Apparently, the best one you can drink. Wow. But (laughs) you're still talking for five hundred calories. I thought it was more. I thought it was about five hundred calories a glass. But the thing is, is you got to think a person's intake of calories Mm. is. For a female, it's generally two thousand a day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, people drink, don't include what they drink. They just include what they eat. But you don't, you don't swap out your food for no. the alcohol. You apply it too. Doing that as well. Yeah. yeah. So it, it it's it's added on, and people don't realise that you're just adding more to it. Like, yeah. I've got to ask, did you lose weight once you stopped drinking? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I lost about two and a half stone. Right? Um, yeah, I, I was quite, when I was, like I say, when I was drinking that heyday of drinking wine every evening, three or four bottles every night, mm. like, like I say, that you're talking you know, two, three thousand calories this evening in booze. Um, so yeah, I went from about 13 stone down to, yeah, I'm sort of in between 10 and a half and 11 now. So. Mm. Uh, but exercise as well was a huge thing for me. I've never been into running. I've always like, been the guy that like moans at the guys running. Um, and then sort of last year I sort of started running. 
Um, I started doing like, have you heard of like the mud runs, Tough Mudder? Yeah, and, Tough Mudder and all the mud. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I started. I did a couple of them, which then led me on to the Spartan races, and I did some of them. Um, and that that that's that's a huge thing for me. That that's basically like quitting booze will always be my greatest achievement. But yeah. And I sort of feel that like quitting booze then gives me the opportunity to achieve other things that I would never have done drinking. Like I would never have gone out for a run back in my drinking days. Mm. I'd have just at home doing. See that that's what it does to you as well. It doesn't just it just it just stops like your creativity and just your sort of like ability to want to do anything. That that was what it did for me anyway. So I sort of found like I, just little things, cleaning your house or like the work, like working. I never wanted to go to work, so I was hungover and and like I say, exercise and things. It just it dampened everything, dampened any sort of mood or you know, positivity when it came to things like that. So when I stopped drinking, I had all this sort of extra, like, energy and yeah. this extra, like, get up and go and, you know, and I finished, like, I did a 10K race, which I look at it now and think I could do a 10K anytime, but my first one was huge. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I've just done a 10K. I got my medal and, I, you know, I got a bit teary at the end and because I thought this time, a few months ago, I never would have done that. Mm. You know, I look at everything I've done this year and think I never would have done that. Yeah. Without getting sober or, or you know two years ago and things like that so um so yeah i just think that's 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 such a great like achievement like the but exercise as well that's what i was getting at is, is people never i remember going to my gp when i was really depressed and they was like oh I'll stick some running shoes on and i was like fuck off <laughs> if i if i could if i could put a pair of running shoes on and go outside yeah of course i'm gonna feel better that's obvious but i didn't want to i was in such a pit that i was never gonna do that yeah. But then it finally got to the point where I was putting running shoes on and I was going out running and I was feeling great and I was going, oh, yeah, they got a point. <laughs> <laughs> they might have <laughs> you know, something to this. Like, maybe I should have listened. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah ex- exercise is, is massive, really. It's, 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 it does help a lot. I, I must admit, I haven't, I haven't done a lot in the last month or two, but I, I, bl- I do this thing where I blame it on the weather. <laughs> oh, it's too dark now. Oh, it's too cold now. It's like you can, you can get... I stick a jacket on or something. Oh, don't worry. I, I went for the whole uh, excuse of I've got university to go to, so I've, oh, got, right. I've got to do that. No, I can't, I, can't, I can't go to the gym. I've got to go to university. Yeah. And then I'm just like, yeah, that's really shitty excuses. Right. I, I did this thing where I was just like, oh, what's the point before Christmas? You know, everyone does that like mm. December to January. Like, what's the point of exercise? Whereas really you should be exercising more. But I do that thing, well, I'll worry about it next month. Yes. I'll, I'll probably weigh myself in a few days and be like, oh, crap. I, I, made the, 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 I made the vital mistake of stepping on the scales this morning. I think I nearly yeah, cried. I, I haven't done it yet. I've not been that brave yet. <laughs> I was just like, face it. Face it. <laughs> face it. All that plaster. <laughs> oh, but uh, what are you wanting to do from here? Like, you say you that... Obviously, this past year was a, a starting yeah. block. So, what's what's for the future? Well, next year, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think 2019 is just gonna keep getting better. Um, like I say, the work's getting good. I really enjoy the sort of job I'm doing now, and I've had a bit of a pay rise with that, uh, which is another reason to why I've looked to move out because financially, it's it's now doable. Whereas before, it never was. I yeah. never thought I'd ever be able to move out again. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, get this get this house. Um, uh, middle of January, I think they're on about possibly me moving into it. Um, it's a three bed, so I can't wait to set like rooms up for the girls and stuff, yeah. you know. Because I've only ever I've had my own places before, but they've been like flats or not big enough and stuff. So this this is going to be big enough for even though they only come to me for the weekends, I just want them to have their own space, you know. Yeah. So, uh, it's closer to one of their schools as well, which is great. So I'm literally I'm, I'm going to be closer to one to to, to my eldest, mm. the one that. Gate crash just a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, just just keep plodding on with this. It's the whole one day at a time thing, you know. Just just seeing how it goes. Try not to get too overwhelmed. Um, see, that's something as well that I wanted to, to touch on as well when it comes to sort of mental health and, mm. and drinking and stuff. It's the the anxiety that just increases. You, you'll find that when you give up the booze, like your anxiety, like you just feel like when things come along, you're you're able to to deal with it more. Like before, mm. like. That's what I learned in therapy last year and like the drinking stuff. Like for thirty two years I'd never been able to deal with anything. Mm. Like something come in, I would just push it straight out. Or if something happened, like a relationship breakdown, like I I got married quite young, then we got divorced and I never really dealt with it. I just the moment the day mm. 
before you broke up. I just went out, got pissed, and then never looked back. I, and I sort of feel like I've always done that. Yeah. So when things come in that I can't deal with, that I sort of go, oh, shit, what's that? <laughs> like, I'd, I'd normally just bounce it straight off. Yeah. Onto drink, drugs, or someone else, or a relationship, yeah. or, you know, a girl, anything. Whereas now I've sort of learned to take that in. And even if it means that I've got to feel like shit, you know, you will do. You, you'll sit there and you'll cry or you will just won't want to move for a day or so. But that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And that's okay. Uh, to, to literally sort of be there at a night time if you are feeling crap, that is you dealing with it. And that is that. And then you'll get up tomorrow and you'll deal with it a bit better. And then you'll get up the next day and you've dealt with it. Yeah, I completely like, agree. Drink and, and, and everything else. You, I never would have been able to do that either. My anxiety would be too come out. Mm. Um, I used to just worry constantly, and, and anything that used to come in, I just even phone calls. I don't know if you've ever suffered with this. Like my anxiety for being on the phone is huge. Yeah. Um, and things like this, to be honest, like I never would have been able to do something like this. I'll probably back in the past would have sent you a message and gone. Uh, I'm busy or yeah. I don't feel well or something. I always try to like palm things off. Yeah. Whereas now it's kind of just like you, I sort of feel like I can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, uh, no. we'll, see, we'll see what comes along. But yeah, like I say, anything that sort of does come along next year, I just I feel like I'm in a much better place too to deal with it. So, I think you've got, bad, you've got a good point though when it says uh, for feeling it because we are so good at distracting ourselves from what we're feeling. Absolutely. Um, yeah. In any shape or form whether it be for having a drink or spending an hour on social media just yeah. something to numb ourselves rather than actually feeling it and yeah. i think if we was to feel it and be, tell ourselves it's okay to feel it because mm -hmm. that's, that's the thing is I, I, i've always said that one of the main issues of mental health is that you are grown up to be told not to feel and yeah. you're not allowed to express how you feel with, Especially with, our generation, yeah. Yeah, yeah with, I, I think with, it's getting better now. They are learning to talk more and stuff. But yeah, like we was, you know, I, I could never have spoke about anything like this with any friends or family or what, what was mental health? <laughs> you were mad. It was, you know, I'm, I remember. I mean, my dad bless him. He's, he's amazing now. He's so superior. But I remember when I was younger, there was times where, you know, they just thought you were weird or, you know. Mm. You wanted to express yourself and couldn't feel like you expressed yourself when you were younger, and you know, all of all of a sudden they just want to chuck you in a doctor's and you're, so you know. I I, I, got, I get that because I grew up with my mum being a gambling addict, and right, okay. and um, so whenever she was doing something and I was like acting up to get attention, I was just right, told okay. I was being, you know, she's yeah. just the naughty child. She's just trying to act out. She's just trying to get attention. Just yeah. shiver in the corner. And it took me ages to understand that that was my mental health trying to reach yeah. out. But because yeah. we grew up in a time where nobody knew what mental health was. You yeah, was either mental or you weren't. That was it. There was no, yeah. other, there was no other way of putting it. No, and, exactly. and the statistics of, um, of mental health is saying that... Uh, 50% of them are established by the age of 14, I think it's 50%, yeah. and 75% of them are established by the age of 24. Yeah. yeah. And I, my daughter went through a lot of mental health issues. She's diabetic. She was mm. went through a lot of trying to against it and fighting it, then it affected her mental health and all that. Lot. And I, I, I'm so glad to know that we're in a more of a space where we can talk about mental health because yeah. otherwise there's a very yeah. good chance she would have gone down the same route I did. Yeah. And it's yeah, it always worries you. I know nothing's like hereditary and stuff, but I mean, I've got like, you know, I've got two daughters and mm. I mean, it worries the hell out of me that, you know, they're going to, the things that I've put my mum through, I can never imagine being in that situation with my kids. Yeah. Like, it must have broke my mum's heart seeing me, how she's seen me. I mean, she's seen me tried to kill himself before and she's just seen me in some white state, mm. you know, like relapses and, and everything. And, you know, I can't imagine me being the parent there in that situation. Yeah. Like, that terrifies me. But like you say, I, I know that as things are progressing now, there is so much more help. There is so much more ease to, to, to talk about these things. And, and I will always be, I hope, <laughs> one of these parents that is 
you know, that they could talk to me about anything. You know? I'm yeah. quite honest with my kids. Even if they get older and ask me about my stuff, I, I probably wouldn't never lie to them about it. See, that's... I mean, not being funny, I'm, I'm, I broadcasted it everywhere anyway <laughs> See, that's, <laughs> that's the, the thing story, is that so. I tell my daughter about my mental health issues because yeah. I've had social anxiety I still struggle with it sometimes yeah, but sure. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think but I do struggle with social anxiety <laughs> high functioning uh, depression um, yeah. I've been through wars I've had suicidal thoughts I've had them yeah. all and when she was trying to find it hard to describe how she was feeling through it because I was able to express those to her me we went through a time where literally we was cat and dog with each other. Yeah. Uh, mums and daughters, you'll soon find out when yeah, they hit yeah, teenage yeah. years, that they'll be running to you. I'm all I'm saying is they'll. I was going to say I'm, I'm expecting both of them to turn up. The <laughs> and they'll I'm be back. coming with su- su- suitcase like that's it. I'm living with you. That's it. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't until I opened up about what I was going through that she realised, or what I'd been through as well, mm. that she understood that these feelings were normal that it's mm. okay to have these feelings. And oh, I had yeah. her when I was 17. And yeah. it, it's been a struggle. So I can say this to her, although that scares the crap out of me, she's only a year away from how old I was when I had her. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, scary. But, yeah. uh, but it's one of those, uh, as long as you're, me and her dad, we split when she, she was eight. Yeah. And, um, and but we've always been very honest with her we've never hid anything from her when anything was going on we was open she asked questions that mm. was it and i think that's the best way you can really be with it and you think that's that's obviously helped her a lot more you think she's would have it could have gone for most of the way if you hadn't been honest do you think uh she's 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 had suicidal attempts and mm. it was horrendous to watch it was yeah, like I was just discussing, I can't imagine it as a parent. And it's, it was horrendous to see, but in the complete breakdown, we was able to build back up again. But right. even through all of it, we was completely honest. And the, the also the thing of having people that people get this a bit funny, but I always say it, like, understand their mental health, but don't let them be a shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's the best way to, because my son's autistic and people go, oh, well, he's got mental health issues with being autistic. No, if he's been a little shit, he's been a little shit. I love my children dearly, but if they're little shits, they're going to get told off. Like, they're going to get disciplined. Yeah. And and I think that's that's the thing. As long as you've got the structure as well as the openness is a nice balance between the two because you're able to have that open conversation. All I'm saying is get the tissues ready because those hormones, when they hit those teenage yeah. years, beautiful. I'm thinking of moving away for a couple of years. <laughs> come back when... Yeah, uh, just what, come when back they, when they're like, When they hit 16, 17, they usually come in out of it. So right, okay. <laughs> my daughter's coming out of it now, so okay. just brave it through the worst part. You'll be fine for the rest. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but with your own experience, I found that because I have my own experience with my daughter, mm. that she can have hers, like she can yeah. she can express how she feels. Because rather than going, you don't understand me, slamming mm. down and running off, I can go. Actually, yes, I do. When I was going through all this, I had you. I had to deal with everything that was going on, and these are the things that I felt. These yeah. are the things. This is the way I manage. You might cope the same. You might not cope. It depends. But here's my coping mechanisms. They might help you. And having that open conversation, something that I never had when I was growing up, that I make sure that she has now. And it, yeah, I think, see, I, I think we we were very similar as a family. Um, we just didn't talk about anything. I mean, even to the point where like, in therapy last year, my mum had sat in with me and we'd been open and spoke about stuff. And then we'd sort of leave that therapy session and then to almost go back to not really talking about things. Mm. I mean, my mum was so worried to upset us about anything that she just didn't tell us anything. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, bless her. I mean, I love my mum dearly. She, she's been there for me, you know, constantly. Um, and it just, yeah, I, I just feel that maybe if, if people were more open, 
in their family situation. It's so hard to say as well, because obviously back then you had people with the stiff upper lip and nobody really wanted to discuss yeah. anything. And now you've got the generation where kids won't lift their heads up from their phones for five minutes at all to the parents. Yeah. So even though the parents now are probably at that different generation when they want to talk to their kids and be open on us like you are with yours, now the kids don't want to listen. We've gone from like one to the other, you know. Well, I think, I think it's not that just they don't want to listen, it's they've got something good enough to distract them. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, no, yeah I, I guess we didn't, we didn't have as many distractions growing up in the 80s as well. <laughs> bad, bad haircuts. Oh, God, my mum did my haircuts. It was always terrible. <laughs> I've got curly hair and she'd cut my fringe. It was never good. No. <laughs> yeah. It looked like I'd got a dodgy perm by the time I'd finished. Oh, so. <laughs> But my mum getting a perm one. Uh, I'm pretty sure my dad did once as well. We've got a photo somewhere. <laughs> he, he says he didn't. I'm sure me and my brother saw a photo years ago. Okay, I, I need to go it. <laughs> See, <laughs> my mum my decided to get a perm once and she looked like she had the worst dodgy afro going. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. so, funny the things you get onto. We're uh, coming to the end, so yeah. I would like to say thank you. Oh no, you're this. welcome. Good. Um, is if there's anything you want to say to people, if they want to reach out, if they want to find you, you know. Um, yeah, well, I'm on Instagram. I can't actually remember my username on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Mike underscore Arnold underscore. Mm. Um, and I'm on Twitter as well as I think it's Mikey Arnold with a stupid amount of M's. Um, but yeah, my, Mike Arnold, if they want to find me on anything like that, I was, uh, and also anyone struggling with the drink stuff, we have an online uh, community on Twitter where we use the hashtag recovery posse, mm. um, which is a phenomenal bunch of guys. Like, honestly, I speak to these guys daily. Um, there's people from Canada, the States, South Africa, all over, and we talk to each other literally every day. Um, so yeah, anyone that's, that's that's thinking about sobering up or just wants a bit of advice, even yourself. I mean, I, I think we we talk on Twitter as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah just reach us, reach out on there. The, the guys are great, and they've they've helped me a lot. So and yeah. it's nice to be in a position now. Where I feel like I can then do that for others. It's all about giving back, isn't it? They say. Yeah. <laughs> um. So my last question. This is the question <laughs> that I ask everybody, but I never tell them to the end. Right, okay. right. You are about to meet a person that has gone through everything. Or he's about to go through everything that you've gone through. Okay. They're about to go through all your ups, your downs, your issues, your drinking, yeah. and everything like that. They're just about to go through it all. You're not allowed to tell them. You're not allowed to oh. tell them a thing. All you can do is give them three pieces of advice. What would it be? Wow. Okay, you didn't even prep me for that one at all. Right, okay, three pieces of advice. Mm. Oh, that is tough. Because I would, to be honest, it's what it's really tough because I picture myself, obviously, as you do in that situation. Mm. Like, I, I can't imagine, like, when I was at my worst, there wasn't a lot of things that people could have told me for me to then believe that it does get better. Yeah. But it does get better. Yeah. It really, really does. So I'm not sure about sort of three pieces of advice, but um, yeah, that's a really tough one. That's <laughs> see, a really, really tough question. I told you I'd wait to the end see what your yeah, reaction was. <laughs> I know you got me there. It's really hard because there's so many. I hate all the, the, the typical cliches. I mean, so many people say, "Oh, keep your chin up" and stuff like that. But um, it's it's one of them things that I, I don't think until you're ready yourself, yeah, to 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 get better. No, nothing else is going to work. Like, like for me, my mental health and recovery and everything, it had to get to the point where I myself was ready. Yeah. To receive the help because you could have the best help in the world. You could have the best rehabs, the best resources, um, but until you're at that place where you're ready to listen. Mm. So I guess that's one is 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 that. Um, but I don't think I could give you three. I'm sorry. There's <laughs> 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 two. It does get better, and obviously. It's yeah, like I say, it's it's getting to that point where you are completely ready um, to listen. Do it for yourself and nobody else. Do it for yourself, yeah, yeah. When you're at that point where, because even with me through mine, just quickly, like 
I've, I've, you know, I always thought I was doing it for like my girlfriend at the time or my kids. I always thought that I'd put everyone through so much shit for yeah. years that I got to the point where I had to pay back. Yeah. And that's not the case. I still, I always found this really, really hard in early recovery. They told me to, to now, I've come through to now put myself first. Yeah. And I was like, well, hold on, I've been doing that for years of using. Yeah. So how can I now come out of that to then put myself first? And but what they meant is. There's no point in even trying relationships or having kids or anything until you put yourself first. Because now that I have put myself first, I've come out the other side, I'm now the best dad I can be. Yeah. I'm the best son and brother and friend I can be. So I have to put myself first to make everything else. See, oxygen mask theory. You've got to put your mask on first to help others. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it's mad because I could never get my head around that. I always thought that I've been so selfish for years that now I've just got to do everything for everyone else. And that's not the case. So even in early recovery or mental health or anything like that, you have to put yourself first. Yeah. I, there's always, I always think there's your strongest quality can be your best quality. It's like your worst yeah. quality can be your best quality. Because yeah. it's always the flip side. There's always two sides. That's exactly to what they told me. Like the same record, like they said, you've been so selfish for so many years um, in using and putting yourself first in that way, taking drugs and drinking. You've already learned the skill. Like you say, mm. it's just to now flip it. Mm. So to flip all the negative shit to positive and use that selfishness <laughs> and that determination to not use. Yep. So, I agree. Yeah. So yeah. what I'll do is when I upload this, I will put yep. little links for people to find you. And, yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and uh, I'll put your hashtag up for anybody who wants to to join. Yeah, in. recovery posse. Yeah, check us out because that, that's like I say, that's that's a great community online. So it's not just uh, we use it for recovery, but there's you know people struggling sort of mental health and everything as well. So. Yeah. It's yeah, always good when you've got a tribe that you can go to. It is, yeah, really, because the thing is that the AA thing didn't really work for me. Mm. Um, and also, I just want to put that out there as well, just quick, that so many people are forced, like AA's forced upon them, you know, mm. early sobriety. It's like, oh, you won't get sober without AA and stuff, and that's not the case. Like, I'm over a year sober, and I didn't need it. I tried it, and I did it for a couple of months, but it's not necessary. There are other avenues and other treatments that people can use the same so, same with, with with mental health yeah what will work for one like exactly they try and get sober so they try aa mm. and then they don't like it they don't agree with it so they think oh nothing else is gonna work yeah so they carry on drinking and that's not the case there's so many other things that do work <laughs> trust me <laughs> you just gotta find the right fit babe, yeah absolutely yeah well, I'll say thank you, and no, uh, you. I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, I have too. Um, and uh, to everybody else, good day, good brew. If you like this episode and want to listen to more, I have over 60 episodes of A Cuppa With, and they go from me talking on my own about subjects and stories of my life to others, and some people I've spoken to have incredible, incredible stories, and that's what it's all about talking about people's stories over a cup of tea and having those open conversations so like i say if you like share subscribe rate that's all appreciated and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this